Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Security and Secure, hosted by Johnny Seifert. This is the podcast that I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same mantra as me, then before we get to today's guest, please subscribe to Security and Secure after listening. And at the end of the episode, leave a five-star rating and a review. My guest today is one of those guys that you know and love. No one has a bad word to say about him as he spends his time educating you on what really matters and paying it forward. With his first GCSE given at the age of eight and 20 years of service to the NHS in his back pocket since gaining a distinction at Guy's Kings and St Thomas's School of Medicine, he's paid the lessons he has learnt forward, including having his own double BAFTA winning CBB show Get Well Soon, being the resident doctor on This Morning and Morning Life, and being the author of five books with his new book, How to Be a Boy, out now, published by Random Work, which is the Bible that every boy needs by their bedside. And away from educating you, he's had to educate himself. And he's been on that journey, coming out at the age of 30 after being married, and then using that confidence in understanding the real him has led to his creative energy being channeled to a strictly dance floor and a regular on the panto scene, which this year he's with Shane Ritchie at Nottingham's Theatre World in Dick Whittington. There's so much to discuss in this episode, so without further ado, I'm so pleased at last to welcome my old friend and life inspiration. It's Dr. Ranj saying hello, Ranj. Hello, Johnny. Crikey, what an introduction. Thank you. That's very kind. Well, it's all true. And also, it's taken me so flipping long to get you here. Every time I see you, we go, oh, you're going to do it. When am I doing it? You're like, when am I coming on? I'm like, well, when are you available? And at last, I finally found a free week for you. Yes, it's it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It has. Well, there's so much to go through. Let's go back to the beginning, though. And let's talk about you growing up in Medway and what you were like as a child, what you were like at school. Because you've obviously found your identity and that, like I said, the idea of paying it forward, but that responsibility that you've got to the world, which is helping people. So where did that come from? Because there's usually an insecurity there that you have to overdo it rather than underdo. So I was quite a shy kid, to be honest. Um, I didn't really know how I fit in. I felt different and I, and I, and I didn't really meet up to 
stereotypes, I suppose. And I kind of just went along and did what was expected of me, thinking that was the way that you're supposed to be, you know. So for me, it was kind of like, right, you've got to do well at school. Like you, you, you've got to do well at school. You've got to get good grades. You've got to get into university. You've got to get into university. You've got to get a good job. You've got to get a good job. And then you've got to get a family, you know, and settle down. All of those, that's what I thought was like happiness. That's what you're supposed to do. But deep down, I think I kind of thought, well, I don't know if this is really me. Like there's a creative side of me that I'm never really getting to express. There's, you know, all, all my friends and family are into football and I feel like I should be into it as well. And, you know, I had football posters on my bedroom wall and stuff and I knew all the players' names, but I was like, but to be honest, I really like music and I really like art. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love science and all that and, and learning and that kind of stuff as well. But I was like, but yeah, but I want to learn how to play the piano or <laughs> I want to I I learn how to sing and stuff like that. So I guess growing up for me was just this confusing sort of mass of ideas thinking, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? What do I want to be when I grow up? How am I going to do this? <laughs> it was just a mishmash of, uh, of different things. And I kind of just went with the flow. I went with what I thought I was supposed to be doing. I've learned that being yourself is the key to being the happiest that you can be and being the best version of yourself. And that's what I want to kind of get out there to everyone. Did you wish going back to that little ranch now in school that you could have done that? You could have said, look, I don't care about football. I just want to be about musicals. And that's absolutely fine. Like, do you, could you see yourself being put in that position back then? I don't think that was ever an option back then. <laughs> I think it was a case of, you know, shut up and get on with it kind of thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I loved learning. I loved school. I learned to love the things that I was doing. And I soon learned that actually I was quite good at them. But there was this side of me, I think, that I'd kind of neglected that I never really got to explore. And I wish I had got to explore it a bit more. It was almost as if, I, I suppose the easiest way to describe it is I was living, I don't know, 60% of my life. And there was like another 40% that was kind of sitting there thinking, am I ever going to get a look in? <laughs> am I ever going to get a chance to speak? But I didn't learn that till much later in life, that actually to be your happiest, to be at your happiest and to be at your most content and actually most successful, you've got to let that other 40% in as well. And then, you know, you've got to be 100% you. So do you think now in 2023, you are 100% authentically you? I'm still learning. I'm not going to lie. I think we're all growing. We're all um, finding out who we are. But I'm definitely, I would say, yes, 100% who I am now. I am the person I had hoped I would be. And I get to be me now. I get to be authentic. I get to do what I want to do and what I love to do. And it's been quite a difficult and I suppose at times painful journey to get there. I don't want anyone else to really have to go through that. I don't want young boys to go through that now, to have to learn those lessons the hard way. So that's why I've kind of done the work for them and said, look, this is what I went through to get to where I am. And I love being me now. You don't have to be me, but I want you to take those same principles and learn how to be you and love to be you. But how much do you think the media has kind of helped that journey along a bit? Like, I suppose it's in a way it's kind of sped up because over the past decade when it comes to the world that we live in having representation of tv of the bane community the queer community yeah. i hope it's okay to say there's not that many gay asian doctors on tv and therefore you tick in the media one you know what i'm talking about that you tick yeah. boxes for commissioners and producers and that's obviously helped you 
get towards that 100% that little bit quicker than some of the people who'd be reading this book going, well, who's looking out for me as much as I'm looking out for them? Potentially, yeah. So when I was growing up, I didn't see people that looked like me on screen. We certainly didn't have the internet back then. So for me, I didn't really have any role models. I didn't really have people to look up to and think, you know what, I could be like that. And I'm very conscious of the fact that now, given that the platform that I'm on in some ways, I have to be that for other kids that are growing up now. And I hope that they might look at me and think, do you know what, if he can do it, I can do it as well. And the media has definitely helped, I suppose, accelerate that to some extent. Representation is really, really important. I think me being able to be me on screen has helped me in the rest of my life and kind of be, be comfortable because what it what it gives you is that validation and that sort of acceptance from people because that's what we're seeking that's what we're looking for we want to be ourselves but be accepted by others and I guess I've been lucky that the jobs that I've done and some of the media roles that I've had have, have allowed me to experience that acceptance and that validation so that's, that's really really helped but it is it is a very privileged thing and also it's a very responsible thing you've got to there's a huge amount of responsibility that's involved in that so I have to I suppose be aware and mindful of the fact that people will be watching and seeing me and maybe seeing a bit of themselves and kind of potentially even emulating me and that in a way is amazing and at the same time it's quite scary because it means that I can't mess up (laughs) I don't want to mess up and you know set a bad example or anything like that. Well, the interesting thing when you talk about validation is that, you know, as you grow older, you don't just have, I'm Ranj, you know, it's Dr. Ranj, or I want to speak to you because you're a GP, or you're a celebrity that I know from the Strictly Dance or you're a celebrity that I've seen on TV. And you hide almost behind that label because it's not just about your name. But growing up, you haven't really got an identity apart from you are that person. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's it's quite interesting. We We teach kids and young people to just be themselves, but actually they're trying to learn who they are. And often they will look to others and emulate them. That's why role modeling is so important. That's why giving them inspirational and positive examples, which I do in my book is so important because their sense of identity doesn't just come from within. It also comes from the people around them. You're right in the sense that it takes time to kind of work out who you are. But I think that that makes it even more important that we give kids and young people good examples. They are bombarded with so many, I suppose, less than ideal um, ideas right now of pe- the way they should be or the way they could be. We've got to balance that out with the positives. We've got to show them that there are alternatives. We've got to show them that they can be whoever they want to be. But actually, here are some examples of people that have done it before you to show you that it can be done. Um, so positive role modeling is hugely important. I didn't have that when I was growing up. My only positive role models were my teachers. So for me, teachers were hugely important. Um, But I didn't really have very many on-screen role models or role models in other parts of life. So I had to kind of learn my role models and work out who I was as I was going along. And that's a really, that's not an easy process to do. And I don't wish that upon anyone. Um, which is why I'm like trying my best, as you say, pass it forward, like try and make things easier for the next batch of people that's coming. Well, let's talk about your book, How to Be a Boy and Do It Your Own Way. Um, It's one of those books I see as a Bible, a Bible that every single boy should have by their bedside. I don't know what age it is, maybe seven, eight years old, but you've given such a condensed, incredible way of looking at the different aspects of what it means to be a boy today. And 
I want to start with what does it mean to be a man or what does it mean to be a boy today in 2023? And I'm not talking about the trans debate because you know me, no. couldn't care less about that. But what does it mean to be a boy? Because I think when Sarah Everard happened and everything that happened around that, I remember messaging all my girlfriends going, am I okay? And I started questioning myself of what it means to be a boy post-COVID as well, where you've had to find your own identity. So when you're looking at the book and you're trying to shape out this is your role model, this is what it means to be, what is that? What does it mean to be a boy? Um, you're Really good point that you bring up the whole sad Sarah Everard situation, because that was part of the reason I wrote this book. Okay. At the time, there were lots of conversations about, we need to talk to men, we need to talk to boys and 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 explain to them you know how to be and that this is a this is an issue that is systemic this is something that we need to be teaching boys about and I said well no one's having those conversations there's you know we can berate men as much as you want to because yeah you're right men are responsible for these sorts of not all of them but men are responsible and they need to take responsibility but if we're going to change things we need to start talking to boys and explaining to boys and that's why how to be a boy part of the reason why it came about for me being a boy or a man and I, and I explain this in the book the concept of masculinity is not one singular thing so masculinity if you define it are the qualities and attributes that we that we expect from boys and men but as you see there's a section in the book about the history of masculinity and masculinity across different cultures it means different things at different times and in different cultures so what that just goes to show is that if you want to be masculine that can mean lots of different things if you're not masculine then that is absolutely fine as well being a boy and being a man is more about being a decent human being than it is about anything else. So it's not just your gender. It's not just your sex. It's not just your experiences and your likes and your dislikes and what you're into and who you love. It's all of those things put together. But above all of that, which is what this book is really about, is not about how to be a boy. It's about how to be a decent human being. And by being a decent human being means understanding other people and respecting them. So we talk about respect for women, allyship for the LGBTQ plus community, looking after those around you, having positive, healthy relationships, looking after yourself, not just your body, but looking after your mind as well, especially as you're growing up, trying to be the very best version of you, you know, the kinds of qualities, the positive qualities that we would like boys and young men to to, to discover and nurture, learning about yourself and your identity and being confident in who you are, no matter who that might be, no matter what kind of boy you might be. And you know, there's been all these conversations around trans people, which is, and a lot of it is really, really horrible, actually. And, and boys and young men are sitting there and, and listening to that and watching that and thinking, oh gosh, do I need to be thinking a certain way? Do I need to be behaving a certain way? And I want to take all of the negativity away from it and say, can we just for a second be who we are and accept each other, understand each other and celebrate each other for who we are? Because inherently, we young boys, <laughs> when they're growing up, don't mean other people any harm. They just want to be who they are and be happy like any other young person. And those are the kinds of messages that I want to get out there. It's not being a boy and being a man in 2023 is not about behaving or looking a certain way. It's about being a decent human being and being kind. That's what it's about. Yeah, you're right. And there's that confidence there to be able to. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Do that. But I also think in 2023, there's a lot of power about being vulnerable now. And actually, that, that pendulum going the other way, that it's important that boys, at especially young age, learn to talk about their feelings and learn to have conversations in their group of boys, but also for parents to go right at the off to their child's who are, who are sons to go, how are you? what's yeah. it like with your friends as much as they did it with the girls and the girls were more comfortable i really think parents need to make more of an effort to Absolutely. actually overcompensate for boys you're right you're right so there's two bits to this conversation here traditionally we've never really given boys and men the, the permission to be vulnerable and to talk about how they're feeling and to say they're not okay it's part of the reason absolutely part of the reason that we have sadly such a high rate of suicide amongst young men that's why, because we haven't given them the space, opportunity, permission to, to say, I'm not okay, I need help. And I wanted to change that conversation. But at the same time, what we've got to make sure is when someone opens up and is vulnerable to you, that you've got a receptive party there as well that is like, okay, I'm here to listen to you. Do you know what? Tell you what, let's sit down, let's chat, let's get you the help and support that you need. It's got to be a two-way street. And you're right. Parents and carers should read this book just as much as their kids should do, because it'll give them the understanding of where their young person might be coming from. And also some tools in how to sort of approach it, how to deal with what they hear or what they might be seeing. But the world is quite polarized in a way. Part of it is that there is this need and people are able to be vulnerable. But on the other side of it, there's still that core traditional like boys have to be strong and men have to be strong and leaders and macho and stoical and, you know, stiff upper lip and all that. There is still that battle ongoing and that battle has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years I think the pendulum should shift I think it needs to shift to allow boys to be a lot more open and honest and as we say vulnerable which and there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable it just means that you're able to express how you feel but we also need to have the skills to then deal with what we hear because some of it will be difficult because we haven't heard it before and you're right start from a young age start start talking to your kids and your young people and saying do you know what no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you're feeling, you can always talk to me about it. And I will listen. I won't judge you. 
And if you ever need help or if you ever need support, if I can't help you and I don't have the answers, I will go with you and we will find someone who does. And that's, it, it leads to her, it leads to another conversation really actually about manuals. And so, you know, our grandparents, we know that generation is very different to our parents and us. Yeah. Our generation, the twenties and the 30 year olds are really good at finding out answers and learning and being receptive to it. So, you know, our generation is all about going to TikTok to find out certain bits of information, <laughs> going to podcasts to see what aligns with me to open my mind. I don't think our parents' generations are there yet. And I'll give you an example. And I haven't spoken about this and it's a bit weird to say it, but I was watching Sam Thompson's ADHD documentary last week on E4. Yeah. And I really resonated with a couple of things. And I thought, do you know what? I've always thought this for a while. I've got a bit of OCD, a bit of autism, probably a little bit of ADHD. I should go and seek help. Because that's that thing of calling a GP and going, do you know what? I'm never going to get through. Don't know what to say, blah, blah, blah. So I called the GP and we went through it all. And he yeah. said, I'll refer you for autism. And I always joke about autism and ADHD in life, just, you know. And I told my mum in passing conversation last week, I was walking with my mum and my sister and I said, oh, you know, it's the autism. And she went, you've not got autism. I said, I do. I think I do. I've had a referral for it. And she said to me, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you put a negative label on yourself? I, you're single. I'm trying to get your girlfriend. Why are you giving this negative energy to you? Why can't you be positive? And I thought, wow. It set me back. It's comments like that that set you back and you're like, if only you knew how much it took me to even just tell you. Yes. I actually yeah. generally think, honestly, I have got a bit of autism inside me. And yes. I think there's a thing that parents also, and I don't know how we do this, they need an education because they've been parenting for 30, 40 years, but they don't realise the mistakes they're making because we've never been 30 and 40 years who are in yeah. a very different world to how we were when they were growing up and they could think about themselves like that. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And um, there's so many parallels between what you're saying and the kind of things that my parents said to me. It's interesting that people see autism as a negative label. Mm. Well, being autistic is just another way of being. It's just another it's another way of your brain working. It's an it's just another kind of person. There shouldn't be negative connotations to it. They absolutely shouldn't be. People who are autistic are just like anybody else. They just think about the world in a slightly different way. Yeah, but hold on a minute. We've all got the people who have got autism and ADHD have got a little superpower inside them. And we both know there you go. most I... of the people in the media have it yeah. because we love yeah. timings, we love running orders, we love to know what we're talking. I mean, I go with my friends. If I'm seeing a friend, I've got a list of questions for them before I go. Yeah. Because yeah. that's just what we do. And <laughs> we know so many people like that in the media because totally. that's why we are the way we are, and that's why we've got that superpower. Absolutely. I totally, I'm 100% on board with you about that. And I, I, I completely agree. It's just, you're right though. One thing I always say is when people say, my parents don't say the right things or they, you know, believe this, that and the other. You've got to remember that they were never taught how to be parents. They've had to learn as they've gone along from often from their parents. And we know generationally going back, attitudes and viewpoints and behaviors weren't always what we believe today and they weren't always ideal either and I'm hoping that as we go along we get better at being people and we get better at sort of relating to others and understanding and respecting and treating others so I'm hoping that as our generations go on we're just doing a little bit better we're learning lessons generational lessons and we are passing them on so my parents were exactly the same when I was growing up it was a kind of like no you can't talk about your feelings don't be stupid you know why are you upset about this you need to be concentrating on this 
I remember coming home from my very first, uh, I, my, my school teacher when I was six put me in, she, she knew I could sing, interestingly. Uh, she made me audition for the school choir. She put me in a um, musical group. My parents were like, no, you're not going to that. And I remember crying about it because, you know, I was just like, this is what I want to do. I want this. I really love this. It's the first thing I've ever been told I'm good at. My parents were just like, no, that's not you. Why are you being silly? You should be doing this, that and the other. And I, was, I still remember that to this day, thinking, and I, and I know it's not quite the same as the example you, you've used, but these things stick with us. Yeah. These things that are important to us, things that are part of our core being, when somebody says something that almost goes against it or attacks it, it really does stick with you. And undoing those sorts of, I suppose, messages that we're getting from people is hard, especially our loved ones. It's really, really difficult. But that's why we need books like How to Be a Boy to tell you that actually, no, you're all right to say, no, hang on, this is me. This is who I am. And I'm going to do this for me. It goes back to that two-way conversation. When someone opens up to you, particularly a boy or a man, listen, listen to them. Don't judge. Don't immediately jump to that. Some of it's protective. You've got to remember that this is just your mum saying, I don't want you to go through hardship because um, you, you know, you've got this, you know, she called it a label. Um, I don't want you to experience that, any extra hardship. My parents did that when I came out to them. They said, we don't want you to experience the hardship that comes with this. And I was like, that's not your responsibility. That's not, that's not up to you to decide. That's up to me to decide whether I'm willing to go through that. I just want you to be there for me. Yeah, exactly that. And, that, and that. and also thinking about even this week, if it's okay to bring up, is everything that's going on with this morning at the moment, like it's a TV programme and yet because there's so much negativity around it and because it's your job, it's also hard for your own mental health to go, well, who am I as well this week? You know, what's my sense of belonging? Everything's going on there. Yeah. Look how much negative press is around this morning, this week. Look how much that Holly and Phil, who are such an inspiration, who are such role models, what's going on there. Yeah. mentally this is nothing to do with me but yeah I don't know if I fit in at the moment and mentally I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking because yeah. everyone's telling me to cancel it and I should lose my job now yeah it's tough I've, I mean a lot of us I think in the media if you work in the media I've had a, a bit of a wobble this week where we're kind of thinking hang on do I fit in here is this is this does this align with my values it feels like this isn't the kind of environment that I want to be a part of and there's been a lot of negativity around various parts that we're all part of this process is this really a place for people like us where we're thinking hang on this is not okay you know what's going on and what we're hearing doesn't align with our values and we've all had a bit of an identity crisis we've had a bit of a wobble about it I certainly feel it this week I certainly feel like oh gosh I don't I, I don't know how I feel about this these are people that I've worked with these are people that I know I I, I don't know how I now fit in but it's about having the confidence in yourself to say, actually, I am who I am and I'm strong enough to be who I am and I'm confident enough to be who I am. And no matter what's going on around me, I have my core values and I know what I what is right and I know what is wrong. And I'm just going to be me through all of this. But you're right. It's made us all think, hang on a second. What's going on? Are we in the right place? Are we surrounding ourselves by the right people? And I think that those who are listening need to remember again about the media is that let's say Polly and Phil do leave this morning, let's just say, the show will still carry on, as it did when Richard and Judy left, as it did when Eamon and Ruth left, 
you're still an amazing doctor. They're still going to need an amazing doctor. And it's funny because, you know, as a producer from the other side, you cling on to your presenter as if they're the world, but then you end up working with another presenter, another presenter. You're still doing that job. The presenters keep moving. The show keeps evolving. It might be better for this morning if they both leave because of the brand, but also you've still got your purpose there as the doctor, as the resident doctor, because you are amazing what you do. And that's what you have to remember with all the cycle of, do I have yeah. those values? Yes, because I, it's an ITV daytime show and I'm giving that education and paying it forward still, despite who you're talking to. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I don't work on This Morning anymore. I worked on it for 10 years. I haven't worked there for a couple of years. I'm now over on Morning Live and the BBC. And I had a really, really good time there. But I know that shows change over time. I know that presenters will change. Experts will change. By its very nature, it's a dynamic thing it's not one static thing and what's good at one time may not be good at another and what's popular now may not be popular in five years time that's in a constant state of flux it's interesting what we hear in the media isn't what necessarily happens in life so I think everyone has to take things with a pinch of salt it was a, a time in my life that I loved and I learned a lot from and now I'm on a show where I'm really super happy and there's an amazing team and it's doing really, really well. It's getting huge ratings, which is fantastic. And that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be on a show where we are giving out information to people and they want it and that, you know, and they find it useful and helpful. Brilliant. Well, look, let's talk happier things. Pantomime this year. I saw Shane Richie last year from Wimbledon, who was absolutely fantastic. What yeah. can we expect? What do you know so far? about the panto you're doing this year in Dick Whittington yeah. at Theatre Royal in Nottingham. And what do you want to see happen? Because every panto's got their little niche. <laughs> what do you want to try and... I've never worked with Shane before, but lots of my friends have, and I've heard really, really good things. I'm doing Dick Whittington again, which I did in Birmingham Hippodrome last year, so it's moving to Nottingham. So it's the same role, I'll be playing the Spirit of the Bells. It's just going to be a lot of fun. I know that Shane's an amazing entertainer. He's a great comedian. I'm hoping to have a lot of laughs with him. My friend Aaron Renfrey is hopefully going to be choreographing from people who know from S Club Juniors days. Hopefully I'm going to have a few, a bit more, a bit of dancing in there, maybe a bit of singing in there. But it's a fantastic show. It's Panto is just joy in a night. That's the whole point of Panto is to be a joyous escape for the entire family. And, you know, it is just such a positive and fun and happy time. That's what I say. It's something for a whole family. You go together, you get away from everything else that's going on in the world. Just have some, a bit of escapism for two hours. Come and see Dick Whittington. You'll get some adult jokes. you get some kid jokes. you get a lot of fun. you get a lot of music, a lot of dancing. And it's there to get you into the festive spirit. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love a pantomime. I go and see about four or five a year. It's my favourite I absolutely love it. Thoughts around your book, How to Be a Boy and Do It Your Own Way, it's out to buy now. Your show, Morning Live, is obviously on BBC One on daytimes. And go and check out his TikTok, go and check out his Instagram, go and see him in Panto this year because he's such a great guy. And I'm so glad I finally managed to get him on the podcast. You've been listening to Skinners Give Me, Johnny C. If you've liked what you had, please do go and rate the podcast, give it a five star rating and a review, and keep spreading the word. It's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert. I'll speak to you very soon. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>